Uh, I don't know if you were anything like me this morning as I woke up and uh, I knew the forecast and the, and the rain, of course, as I looked outside my windows going, yeah, rain. But then we have to get to church in the rain. And so before, before we go any further, I just want to say well done, good and faithful servants for getting yourselves here in the rain. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on. Especially the elderly and especially the, the, the parents with young children. Yeah? I applaud you. We applaud you. And speaking of applause, we welcome those who have stayed home this morning who are watching online or watching via podcast, sorry, listening <laughs> via podcast or watching on demand, or you may be listening to my message for the first time this morning on YFM. <laughs> believe it or not, believe it or not. So uh, that's a message from a couple of years ago. They said, hey, can we use a couple of your messages? He said, oh, it depends. No, yeah. Anyway, we've done that. But uh, I do hope, we had a couple of hundred people here in the small sorry, auditorium two last Sunday, while many of us were at camp. And uh, we, Wayne did a great job, which I'll mention just in a moment. And uh, I, 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 I don't know if you've still, re- re- for those who went to camp, have recovered. I certainly haven't. Uh, what I mean by that is from the camp concert, What I mean by that is there were a particular worship leader who made up this dance thing with a monkey, and I haven't recovered from that yet. Anyone else? Anyway, we won't go there. We won't go there. (laughs) We'll leave that alone. Oh, man. Part three, stronger. Are Are we there? Can we put the slide up? Can we put the slide up? Part three, stronger. Here we go. Look at that. Is anyone else's mind like that at all? Like a bit scratchy, it's just amazing. Stronger, the battle for the mind. This is part three of this particular series. And the big idea for this series is this, that changing your mind can change your life. A war is raging and your and my mind is the battlefield. Wayne mentioned just a few things last week, just to recap if I could, that we are bombarded, aren't we, each and every day with certain things that come into our minds. The media is one of those things. Technology, TV shows, billboards, social media, it's a pretty big thing that bombards our minds. Worry, doubt, and confusion. Wayne said last week that our greatest asset is our mind, which is obviously the greatest target. He said that we are in a war. But I also want to say this week that there is good news, and the good news is this, that God has equipped us in His Word that you and I can live lives of life and peace. Let me pray. Father, this morning we come to you, we come to open your Word, this ancient Word, this Word that is alive and that is active and has been alive for years, hundreds, thousands of years, and right now we open it. Our hearts are open, our ears are open to hear from your word, for it is the word of truth, and ultimately your truth can set people free. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning, I'd like to start with a statement, and then I'd like to follow it with a question if I could. The statement is this, your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Let me say that again. Your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Our thinking is an incredible gift from God. You and I have the ability to think, to think well, to think good, to think positive, to think negative. God has blessed us with this incredible thing called a mind, a conscious, 
to, to think well. But our thinking is connected with our well-being, isn't it? And it affects, it affects the direction of our lives. You see, what we think about affects our words, it affects our attitude, it affects our decisions, it affects our emotions, it affects how we relate to ourselves. Our minds, our thinking affects how we relate to others in the workplace, in the schoolyard, teachers. It affects how we relate to God. And let's be honest, let's take that Sunday mask off for a moment if we could, but everybody wrestles with this. So you and I, we're not alone in this. Wayne mentioned last week, in fact, that a lot of research has been put into this. And he said this, that 70% of our mental chatter is self-critical, pessimistic, and fearful. And so we all have these negative messages about ourselves that play back over and over in our minds. Messages often that aren't uh, helpful, that aren't from God. And for some of us in this room this morning, we have carried for many, many years in our lives. Can I say that statement again? That your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So, Let's open the Word of God this morning. We're going to start in Romans chapter 8. If you have your Bibles here, feel free to open them. If you have your smartphones, feel free to go to the Bible app and follow the directions there for Launceston, and and then uh, you'll find this online there this morning. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 6 from the NLT, the New Living Translation. I love this translation. It says this. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome. He says this, Those who are dominated by the what? The sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the what? The Holy Spirit. So you have the sinful nature and you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit think about things that please God, that please the Spirit. So let your sinful nature, sorry, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? To death. But letting God, letting the Spirit control your mind leads to, here it is, love these two words, life and peace. Can I say that one more time? That our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. How many other people here this morning talk to yourselves? Oh, good. I'm not alone. Fantastic. In fact, nearly every hand went up. How many people know if a certain family member talks to themselves probably more often than other people? Yeah, we've got a few of those people. Yeah, 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 you get that. How many people tend to overthink things? Yeah, I'm one of those people as well. Can I just say for those people whose hands up, I overthink as well. I'm with you. I'm so glad I'm not alone. I overthink, and don't get me wrong, I don't think overthinking in some cases is too bad. Some cases it is, some cases it is. It can take you down tracks that, you know, are destructive and things like that. But in my role, I have to think. And I have to think big. I'm protecting so many people with, along with the staff and with the elders. I have to think. Anyway, that's another story for another time. But uh, can I ask you this question in regards to thinking and thoughts and talking to yourself and overthinking? Can I ask you this question? If, if our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, is your thought life more positive than it is negative? Do you have a positive thought life or do you have a more negative thought life? What do you think about most? Here is just maybe a, a few thoughts of what I think a positive thought life says. We've got a slide there. Have a look at this. 
is a positive thought life. I'll read it for those who are listening online. That I'm a child of God. My life matters. God loves me no matter what. I'm not easily offended. God works all things for my good. I have a great calling. God is with me. My faith is in God. I can do all things through Christ. Now, before we go on to the next slide, just leave that up just for a moment because some people are still working through that. Generally, I would see that as a bit of a positive life. On your way out this morning, I've put this thing together um, called Daily Affirmations. You received this on the way out this morning to encourage you in this if this is not really you. And so on your way out, you receive one of those this morning. Let's go to the next slide. This is probably attending to lean towards the negative thought life. We got that there? A negative thought life says things like this. It's pretty full on, isn't it? I'll read it out for those who are listening online. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'll never get this right. I'm a failure as a parent. I don't have what it takes. I'm not thin enough or pretty enough. My friends don't really like me. Can I ask a question to you this morning? How did we get to this? From life and peace to this, that we often take as the truth. Can I suggest this morning that God thinks very different about you than often you do? Once again, your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Let's go back to the book of Romans. This time, let's go to Romans chapter 12, and it says this, once again, from the NLT, New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is what? Good. It is pleasing and it is perfect. Here's what I believe. Fixing your mind on Christ will fix your mind. What I really like about this passage that Paul has written, if you have a look at it again, he says this. Don't copy the behavior and custom, customs of this world, but let who? But let God. What I love about what Paul's written here is it's not me changing me. I don't know if you know, you've tried to squeeze. Oh, no. no, this is God. This is God changing me by what? Renewing my mind, by stopping the lies and replacing them with the truth, aligning my thoughts with God's thoughts. And as I do that, he changes me. Let's go back a verse. Uh, Romans chapter, here we go. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I wonder how many of us know what that means. Therefore, what he's referring to in Romans chapter 12, he's actually referring back to the first 11. I can't do 11, I'm sorry. I'll do that. He's referring, no, I can't, that's wrong, isn't it? Sorry, that's 16, that's 16. Anyway, I'll try, I didn't practice that. Um, you guess you can tell. Oh, dear. Therefore, he's referring back to the first 11 chapters of Romans. Uh, for those of us who would read um, the book of Romans would know that the first 11 chapters is a full, full explanation of the Christian faith. It explains why God um, came, why Jesus was important, how salvation works, and that Christianity is based on love. 
So that's what he's referring to. The first 11 chapters, fantastic book um, uh, chapters to, to preach from, by the way. But therefore, he says, therefore, I urge you. There's that sense of this is important. Therefore, I urge you. Brothers and sisters, this is inclusive language. It's God's family. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Let's take this verse apart just for a moment if we could. We've already discovered that therefore means previous chapters. He's referring to the Christian faith and how important it is, why God came, etc., etc. But he says, therefore, because of this, he's saying, because of this, that God's mercy should change who you are. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, it should change who you are. Not just that, it should change the way you act. God's mercy should also change the way you and I think. And he says, this is your true and proper worship. What does that mean? Well, let's go back to the culture and whom he's writing it to. Who's he writing it to? This is a sacrificial culture that he's writing to. They would sacrifice. They went to the temple and they would sacrifice animals and other things, which I won't go into today. But Paul is saying this, that this isn't about sacrificing an animal. This is about um, offering yourself, offering everything that you are in response to what? In verse 1, in response to God's mercy. In response to his mercy, your entire life, your heart, your strength, your soul, and your mind. Verse 2, he goes on, he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but what? Be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Greek word for transformed is, does anyone know? Metamorphosis, very good. Metamorphosis, it is. In other words, the same, things that, same thing that turns that caterpillar into a butterfly, that grub into something that has wings and is meant to fly, is meant to have life, is meant to have peace. He's saying, I want your mind to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he says the word then, verse 2, part B, then then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. And the amount of conversations over many years of ministry that I've had the privilege to be a part of at this local church, of what's God's will for my life? Well, I absolutely believe that God um, cares about our future. He cares about our job. He cares about the study. He cares about the university that we choose. He cares about if we're going to move into state or overseas. He cares about the selling of our house or the retirement in which we're going to take. But fundamentally, God's will is about who you are. Fundamentally, God's will is about who you are becoming. What I mean by that is that if you know who you are in Christ, if you know that you are loved, if you know that you are forgiven, you will discover that his will for your life is what? Good, pleasing, and perfect. However, if your mind isn't being transformed by the renewing of your mind, if you aren't being transformed, let me get that right, by the, by the renewing of your mind, you won't believe that God is good, that he is pleasing, and that he is perfect. 
What Paul is saying, that being transformed by the renewing of your mind will change your life forever. Could you possibly imagine waking up one day where there is no, I'm a failure? Where there is no, I'm stupid? Where there is no, I don't have what it takes? Where there is no, I am not good enough? Is that tension? You know that special presentation we had there before with the three people? There's that tension, isn't it, between what's good and what's evil. And there's that fight that goes on in our minds. Because you are, you are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. How do we do that? We've got to break thought patterns. Three quick things. And by the way, this morning's message is brought to you by the letter T. All right, a letter T. And uh, the first thing, three, just a couple of practical steps. These are some of the things that I work through, and hopefully it's helpful, is to track your thoughts. First thing is to track your thoughts, letter T. Why? Because you can't change what you think until you know what you think about. So my question this morning to you, as we track our thoughts, when was the last time you did an internal audit of every thought that comes into your mind? Shame, fear, lust, thankfulness. Identify that source, where it's come from, who it's come from, and why it has come to you at that particular time. Track your thoughts, do that internal audit, and understand, as you do that, you start to understand what this is doing to your life. Let's remember what God's Word says, that the enemy is the father of lies. He wants to, John 10, 10, he wants to what? Steal, kill, and destroy our lives. That's, what, that's, that's, that's his job, what a job that is. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. God is the author of truth. That's where he wants to bring you life. That's where he wants to bring you peace in our lives. So we're going to track our thoughts. <laughs> the first thing we're going to do is what? Tracking our thoughts. The second T, second T is to take our thoughts captive to make it obedient to Christ. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 to 5, says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. What are you saying? Press pause there for a moment. Thanks, Jamie. Jamie did an impersonation of me last week at, at camp, and, and this is what I do apparently. I'll press play in a moment. Come back, Jamie. You've, you've, anyway, uh, the, the, weapon, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. We don't need a gun, we don't need a knife. We don't need a fist. What Paul is saying is that our weapons have spiritual power. He goes on and says, on the contrary, they have what? Divine power to demolish strongholds. How do we fight? We fight with prayer. We fight with fasting. We fight with worship. We fight with the Word of God. And these kind of things demolish strongholds. He goes on, verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, here it is, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I, I, can we just go back in that verse 4 just for a moment? Where he says, on the contrary, they have divine power. Is it still up? Good. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I just want to focus on that word strongholds just for a moment because the literal translation of this word stronghold is a prisoner locked by deception. It's a spiritual trap 
There's people who believe that there is no way out and they're in a stronghold. And maybe some, some of us amongst us this morning, those who are participating online, the enemy has convinced you that you can't, that you won't, and that you never, ever will. You are believing a lie from the enemy, from the pit of hell, and it is a stronghold over your life. But the good news is, and there is good news that you have, Paul wrote, you have the divine, what? The divine power to what? Demolish the strongholds. So, four o'clock in the morning, that thought comes up in your mind, that sense of worry, I want you to think about this particular verse. To first of all, take it captive and get it to become obedient to Christ. Good night. Good night. When the enemy reminds you of your past, take it captive. Say, God, this is what I'm thinking. I know it's not right. I want your thinking on this. Become obedient to Christ. Sometimes you need to be stern with this. Speak it out, yell it out, over it. Become obedient to Christ in Jesus' name, I pray. Good night. When that sense of I'm not good enough, I'll never get that job, I'll never get that girl, I'll never get that, whatever it is. Speak life over that. Take it captive, become obedient to Christ. Good night. You see, what we do, we blow it up into a false story. How many of you are really good at telling yourself false stories? Yep, thank you. Be honest. I'm the first with my hand up. We are. Where the other person all of a sudden is the villain, and you and I become the victim. We tell ourselves false stories. And one thing that I've learned, probably this last 12 months or so, is this. This little piece of paper has helped save me many a day. My PA knows about this. And um, it's this. And I'm inviting you, this is going to set some people free here this morning. I absolutely believe this, absolutely. I've been praying about this, God's given me a piece about this. For some of you need to do this from now on. And you simply write, on this piece of paper, I carry everywhere I go. In my bag, I see it in the morning as I get prepared. I see it throughout the day. I see it when I go home. This piece of paper, I don't know if you can get, get on camera at all. No, it's a bit too, okay. It says, refuse false stories. Refuse false stories stories. I guess you're all perfect, right? And I'm not. (laughs) But sometimes I need to see this to encourage me that I've got to refuse false stories. Why? Because when those thoughts of they don't respect me come up, I've got to refuse that. Where's that come from? That's not true. That's a lie. They don't love me. Where's that come from? Refuse false. That's totally false. That is not right at all. They don't see me. I'm not known amongst a large crowd. That's false. Absolutely false. Psalm 10 verse 4 says, In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is what? Say it with me. No room for God. In all his thoughts, there is what? No room for God. For God. You see, when there is no room for God, you and I will start to tell ourselves false stories. No space for God's goodness, 
no space for God's love, no space for God's mercy and His grace. All we will allow is our emotions and our feelings to take over and guess where we start to live? We start to live in the pit of fear, we start to live in the pit of negativity and shame and stress, etc., etc. What I'm encouraging us to do is define reality define reality and make room for God. Until we define what is real and what is not, we're going to be stuck. Don't forget, your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Here's the promise, fixing your mind on Christ fixes your mind. I'll come to that in a moment. So, after I track my thoughts, after I take thoughts captive, I think on these things. What Paul says... I think on these things because he says if you fix your mind on these things, it will fix your mind. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to finish off with this. And he says this, finally, finally. What's he saying there, finally? Once again, he's written three chapters. All right? Finally. So there's application in what he's already written. There's application. You've got to apply what I've just written. Okay, we're up to verse 8 of chapter 4. Brothers and sisters, once again, it's inclusive language. It's the family of God that he's including. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is what? Say this with me. True. Yeah. Whatever is what? Noble. Whatever is right. Whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things things. In other words, Paul is saying, if you fix your minds on these things, it will fix your mind. Let's just spend a couple of moments just on these few things as we bring this plane into landing. First of all, whatever is true. We've already kind of talked about that, haven't we? What's true? What is true that goes through your mind? Whatever is true, Paul is saying, write it down. However, you might need to draw a picture. Whatever works for you. What is true about you And what is true about others? What's true of me in Christ? Well, first of all, that Jesus is with me, that I am loved by God and I am loved by people around me. That's what's true. Once again, if we're in these phones, if we're on that Instagram, we're on that social media too much, we're going to saturate our minds with what the culture is going to give us and you will get and fill your lives with a mind full of lies and untruth. And that's why I encourage us here at Door of Hope that each and every day, the 20 minutes, our daily hope, 20 minutes in the chair, because it brings about truth. And so Paul's first thing he says is that whatever is true, think about what's true. That's what's going to fix your mind. His next thing he talks about, he says, whatever is noble. Let's remember the New Testament was originally written in the Greek And what he's saying here is this is a term that Paul has borrowed from the culture to describe a person who walked with the gods. That this is somebody who was different than other people. Somebody who had spent time not in the presence of gods, but in the presence of God. That's what Paul is saying here. Somebody who's honorable, moral, and decent. Whatever is noble, Paul says, to think about. Whatever is right. The root word here is righteous. Whatever is righteous, whatever is right, the more you become acquainted with God's Word, the Holy Bible, the more you will know what is right and what is not so right. He goes on and says, whatever is pure, (laughs) whatever is pure, whatever is pure. You see my little illustration here this morning, this is a bit of uh, contaminated water. And I don't think any of us would drink this contaminated water, would we? Would we? None of us would, except me. There's no way I would drink this contaminated water. But my illustration is this. We often 
allow our minds to be contaminated with the things that bring us down, the things that we see, the things that we lust after, etc., etc. What Paul is saying here when he says whatever is pure, he's saying that all I know is that what I receive from Jesus is pure, not contaminated. It's pure. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus wrote the greatest sermon that was ever written and presented, and he said this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for what? They shall see God. They shall see God. Jesus is saying there that God wants to be seen, but because he is holy, and because he is right, and because he is noble, and because he is perfect, pure. Blessed are those who are pure, for they will see God. God wants to be seen. Whatever is lovely, he goes on and says this. And this is kind of hard to translate, to be honest, but it kind of landed on these couple of things. It's kind of like two words, toward and friend. So it's kind of a combination of two, two words, and you kind of gravitate towards a person that you really like. And you have that sense of the, that I want more of that. And so Paul is saying, whatever is lovely, whatever is lovely, I'm going to think about that person. I'm going to think about that thing. He says, whatever is admirable, and this is uh, the sense of worthy of applause, worthy of applause. What's truly worthy of applause is admirable. He says to think about that, and he says, if anything is excellent to finish off with or praiseworthy, Paul is saying, if you think about what is true, what is right, what is noble, what is pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, they're good words, aren't they? <laughs> but it's going to transform your mind, he says. Guess what happens when you think about those kind of things? Negativity dies and Christ lives. Yeah. Hope, life, peace, joy, negative, gone to hell with you. And as you do this daily, it's going to change your life. And here's the promise. He goes on a couple of verses later in verse, verse 9. He says, whatever you have learned or received, this is chapter 4 of Philippians, or heard, learned, received, or heard from me, or seen in me. This is a preacher's greatest dream right here. Thanks for preaching this, Paul. He says this. What does he say? Put it into practice. <laughs> Put it into practice and the God of what? There he is. He's a God of peace. And he wants to bring you that peace. He will be with you. He says, don't just come to church. Don't just come and listen to a nice sermon, but put it into practice, he says. Let's be honest for a moment. Just for a moment. <laughs> that some of you kind of still thinking through, how on earth am I going to do this? Paul goes on in verse 13 and gives the answer. He says, I can do all this through Him, through Christ who gives me the strength to do what I've been called to do, not in his own strength. Can I just speak this over to some people here this morning, and it's this. It's time for you to write a new story. If you identify that with me this morning, can I just get your heads to bow just for a moment and eyes to close? Because I want to spend a couple of moments in prayer. As we finish the service, we've only got one more song to do, but I believe God, the Spirit of God is here this morning and wants to... Deliver people from strongholds in their life. That's what I've really been praying into. It's time for you to write a new story. 
not in your own strength, but as Paul says, through Him, through Christ, who gives me the strength. Number one, the first thing we've got to do is what? Track our thoughts. We've got to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to replace those lies with the truth, what is true, and to think on these things, what God thinks about you. And He says, put it into practice, put it into practice. And you will experience, he says, you will experience the peace and the life that could only come, only come from him. Because fixing your mind on Christ fixes your mind. It's time to write a new story. Who is it here this morning? while all heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If that is you and you identify with some of the things that have been shared here this morning, and you know once and for all, I'm not about to embarrass you at all. We're not that kind of church. But would you respond to heaven this morning? I can see your hand. He can see your heart in this. Would you put your hand straight up? Thank you, 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 thank you. Hands are all across this auditorium this morning are responding to him simply because of the word you have heard this morning and the power of the whole, thank you, thank you, thank you. The Holy Spirit is working in people's hearts in this moment. So I'm asking you, what and who are you listening to? What are you filling your mind with? It's time to write a new story. Is it the truth about who you are in Christ? Or are you listening to lies? Is there a sense of a stronghold in your life? You want your thoughts to honor God and to replace those lies with his truth. Remember, the enemy is the father of lies and Jesus is the author of truth. I'm going to invite you right now before God to invite him just in this prayer, in this moment. It may not change overnight, but it might, by the way, it might. Help him transform the way that you think. Invite him just in that seat, in that moment, to invite him. In the moment, to transform the way that you think by renewing your mind. We do the hard work. We track those thoughts. We take them captive. We bring those before God and say, this is how I'm thinking. I bring your thinking on this. And we think these things. God of mercy, God of grace, God of love, help us, Lord, we pray. In our brokenness, help us fix our minds on Christ, on you, on that which is good and helpful. Help us defeat the lies and replace them with what is true, to take them captive. And maybe there's somebody here today that you've never heard of the love of Jesus. And he came for you. He came for people like me and you. And maybe this morning you want to become that Christian. You want to step across that line and say, yeah, I want to give my heart and life to Christ. And if that's you, would you pray this with me? Would you pray these next few words with me? Today, Father, I want to make you Lord and leader of my life. I accept your forgiveness for my sins. And I confess I have sinned and fall short. Today, I need you. And I trust you as my Savior. Change my heart. Fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. Today, I shift my trust and my thinking from what I see and what I think to what you see and what you think about me. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen and amen. 
Well, just as we stand in a moment, we sing our final song for this morning and uh, we go out into a week. I don't want to let this time go by. Can we please stand to our feet? Is that okay? Let's stand. We're going to sing this final song. It's entitled Calvary. Many of us would know this. If, if not, it's a very easy song to pick up. But as we sing this song, can I invite the prayer team? For those of us here who are you know, passionate about prayer and passionate for praying for people and seeing those strongholds. And once again, if you'd like to respond this morning, this is a place of grace, not of disgrace. This is a place for you to come and to be prayed for and to allow the prayer team to come and to encourage you in this next step of your journey. You've come so far. There's still a long way to go, don't we all? But this is the next step in your journey. Maybe, first of all, to receive what Jesus has done for you upon the cross, but also that sense of stronghold, that sense that you want to get that mindfulness and that thoughtfulness right and fixed on Christ. Because as we fix our minds on Him, we fix our lives in Jesus' name. Feel free to do that. We're going to dim the house lights a little bit as we go to a bit more privacy. And we've got a prayer team right up here ready to pray for you and encourage you. But please let the prayer team know as you come what you need prayer for. And they'll pray over for you in that. Let's see.